Welcome to It's About Perspective. I'm Chloe Carroll, and this is a podcast where we discuss monsters, elements of the monstrous, and argue about if they're even monsters at all. of the transformative nature of the werewolf through screen representations. In this episode, we meet historical anthropologist Willem Dudley-Core and discuss his research and pursuit of the werewolf. So, what is it about your research delves into witches, werewolves, legends and fairy tales? Why do you pursue these areas, Willem? I happened to bump into them. I once stayed a night with a teacher of me and he asked me, can I do a book? of legends for a particular area. And I just said yes. I didn't know anything about it. So I did that book ah, vaguely. Vaguely. Uh, it all started by doing this particular legend book. Uh, and that actually started because the guy who needed to do that book uh, was riding his bicycle and at one day he dropped dead. Goodness. So they <laughs> Needed a replacement. So you seized an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, he he was pensioned. I don't know exactly how old he was, but it was his time anyhow. No, I took an opportunity. And I studied anthropology. And from doing that book, I learned that there were witches, in my case, in the Netherlands. We're in other places in Europe, in Ireland as well. And so... I didn't do field work. I decided to do my field work in the archives. So I, to cut a long story short, I did my dissertation on witchcraft in the Netherlands from late medieval to the 20th century. So in cultures of witchcraft, you describe anthropology as being about the other both as an abstract concept and shorthand for people in different parts of the world, how do you begin this approach to the other? The other is everyone else. It's you, for instance. Would you start with me now, or would you start at my roots? How would you approach the study of me? I just uh, find out you you are at the moment. The roots are not particularly important. Uh, They may become important in the end. I have no idea what political affiliation you have, for instance. Uh, But that's a a problem when you do uh, internet. Everyone is anonymous. And they have have anonymous opinions. You can't work with that. No. Um, Now, anthropology is usually about others outside Europe. I was in a department that did anthropology within Europe and within my own country. So, why the werewolves? The werewolves, they came along with the witches originally. So, they were part of the legends. I found people telling stories. I never interviewed people myself, but uh, there were a lot of people interviewed in the areas I studied. So it was all done. And when I went to the archives and did the 16th and the 17th and 18th century, Werewolves came up as well. They came up as in cases of slander. So people call each other 
the werewolf. And he didn't, of course, he didn't say uh, what they meant by that, but it was an insult. Coming back to the other, what people actually did by insulting someone was othering them. They put them outside their community. Okay, absolutely. So quite the same approach to the, the witch, as you said there. The werewolf has also experienced quite a lot of persecution, often with the two being connected. Yes, Manfuti was dealt with quite cruelly. Why do you think the werewolf trials aren't as prominently known as the witch trials? Uh, the werewolf trials were a part of the witch trials, but they also have their own separate occurrence. Uh, so you can follow them as werewolf trials. The, and the kind of accusations were different. So being a werewolf was often a kind of uh, sexual misdemeanor, sexual crime, actually. That's what they were accused of. So the first thing you say in your book, Werewolf Histories, is there is no werewolf history. Can you explain a bit more about what you meant by this? <laughs> uh, that's to uh, tease out the reader, actually. The werewolf history that we had up till then was a lot of copying, no one doing actual research. So to access that history, you needed to start again. I hope to have done that. It's not the whole story yet, it's just a start. Uh, so there is no werewolf history is the sense that of course, there's a history, but we don't know it. Uh, it's not a discipline. You definitely capture the reader with that. Because yeah. I, I read that sentence, and I looked at the title of the book, and I thought, what is he talking about? <laughs> he literally named his book Werewolf Histories. <laughs> <laughs> it's contradictory to the title. He said there is no history. Yes. Uh, get people thinking about it. So do you consider the werewolf a monster? Mm, no, I don't think so. Uh, Why wouldn't you consider it a monster? A monster is a very specific concept uh, about non-humans uh, and the werewolf doesn't fit in there you need to see the werewolf on its own you need not just on its own you need to see all kinds of different werewolves it's not just one werewolf so uh, I would find it only confusing if you call them werewolf or monster. I see. It, 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 it's an extra label. Would you say that the monster is an unnecessary label to put onto the werewolf? Yeah. Okay. So with werewolf films, they've heavily influenced the typical perception and understanding of what a werewolf looks like and what a werewolf feels like. Where is the element of truth? Like, for instance, the relationship between werewolves and the moon is a fairly modern concept, but everybody has this one understanding of what a werewolf is. There's probably different understandings as well. Absolutely, but I think, um, like, for instance, you think werewolf, you think moon, you think fur, you think the metamorphosis element of it. Would you attribute a lot of this to cinematic representations? 
you can follow the different motives. So the werewolf moon is 20th century. There are all kinds of people who find the werewolf moon back in the Middle Ages. Um, for a large part, they are mistaken. There's, uh, it's a different moon. You need to distinguish between moons, so to speak. You actually need to distinguish between the full moon and the absence of the moon. So there's either the new moon or the moon eclipse. That's the medieval moon. The full moon in the film uh, came from literature and it originated in a mistake. There was a guy who made a description. Uh, you know the story of uh, Stenbock? Uh, this was a Baltic count who lived in England who wrote a story called uh, The Other Side about a boy who went to a stream and saw particular flowers, blue flower actually, on the other side. This is just one story, it's no folklore. And he saw that flower by the light of the moon, by the light of the full moon. So this is just a description of how he could see something. It's not that he went back every month when the moon was full to look at that flower. Uh, about 20 years later, there was an uh, English psychic researcher called O'Donnell who made who wrote a book on werewolves. He made most of it himself, but he used whatever he could find to base his uh, fictions on. He used that story, situated it in Sweden, and said the werewolf needs a particular flower to change at the full moon. So the moon there becomes uh, more necessary. Then, if, again a few years later, there was a novelist, Blish, uh, and he made it a condition for the werewolf to change. Every full moon they change. So originally it wasn't every full moon, it was just an illuminating moon at a particular occasion, which didn't repeat, and through the different publications it became a necessary moon for the werewolf to change in. That was picked up with the film, and you can see that was picked up from that particular source, uh, because they picked up the flower as well. So O'Donnell has the flower. They didn't understand the flower, but it didn't matter. Uh, the flower is in the next novel, and the flower is in the first werewolf film. What's your favorite werewolf movie? For a man who knows werewolves, I'm really curious what you, what your favorite werewolf movie is. Oh. Uh, I love an American werewolf in London. And I love ginger snaps. Really? Okay. That actually leads me ginger snaps into my next question for you. The cinematic representation of werewolves is predominantly male. What do you think of this? And do you think the lack of female werewolves or females in werewolf films as victims needs to be addressed? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a big question. Because I no, I, I leave it yeah, no, but I leave it to cinema to 
cinematographers to address that. If they want to make a film with a woman as a victim, but fine. I'm not uh, saying anything about it. I just studied them. What you can see is after, say, about 1981, movie makers try to get as many different werewolves as they could. They had new techniques. Uh, it was easier to portray werewolf packs, for instance. So, and there was the long-standing myth connecting to the moon of menstruating men. It doesn't appear immediately, but I believe the men were menstruating. They were bleeding once a month. You ever seen Buffy? Okay. Where, so there's a whole episode where Willow meets Oz, uh, finds out that Oz is a werewolf, and then she says, oh, werewolf, not a problem, I bleed three days of the month too. It's not literally, I need to look up the quote, but that's about what she says. So there she's already comparing the two, there are more places. Uh, but it needed a while to come out because to keep the werewolf fearsome in the film, you don't explain them. The moment you explain it, it uh, is more easy to handle and you don't need to be scared anymore. I think that's, that's quite true. I mean, even um, my favorite werewolf movie is Dog Soldiers and Neil Marshall himself says he made it to scare the shit out of people, the woods, the werewolves, and he never ever explains to you why they're there. And I think that's why it stuck with me so long. As you said, you never get an answer. Now, you know, if you get an answer, then it's not scary anymore. So uh, <laughs> the way I look at it, I make them less scary, I suppose. <laughs> um, True. Although, yeah, 20 years after seeing that movie, I want some answers, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a female is a victim. But the werewolf was originally always male. And the female was not only a victim, uh, she was incapable of doing anything. Um, I just established, actually more better than I had before, uh, that the werewolf was Jewish. You never thought about that. Uh, the Wolfman was written by Siotmak. Siotmak was Jewish. It doesn't mean automatically that he made a Jewish werewolf, but in the 30s, Jews were presented as wolves. Or wolves were presented as Jewish, to say. Uh, to say it correctly. So there are. It's a story, well, you know, uh, Little Red Riding Hood. In the German interpretation, Riding Hood was representing the German people. The wolf was Jewish. And in the German version, you had a hunter cutting them out. Uh, that was actually the Nazi. Disney, Walt Disney, copied that more or less, that interpretation. So he had the big bad wolf coming at a house of three little pigs, blowing it down that he 
disguised himself as a Jewish salesman. Disney changed that later, but in the original cartoon, he uh, made Midas into a Jew. So that picture was roused. Wolves could, could be interpreted as Jews. Then Slotmar came to the scene. He needed to write a scary werewolf. So he decided why not, instead of a wolf masquerading as a Jew, why not have a Jew masquerading as a wolf? He turned around. I think he sort of was scary. Uh, okay, he was actually right with it made because it made a huge impact. How can you see that the original werewolf was Jewish? Because he had a Jewish sign. It was disguised again as a pentagram. The Jewish were marked at the time with the Star of David. The pentagram didn't exist anywhere else, was not connected to werewolves, so only Siotmak, the writer of the Wolfman, connected that to the werewolf. So he did the same as the Nazis did to the Jews. They used uh, the, si the sign and mark that was originally already Jewish, but they made it more standard. So the, the pentagram originated in the Wolfman and was actually a sign of Jewishness. The only problem was <laughs> no one in the States recognized it. You have an American werewolf in London, which I mentioned before. So, there's a pentagram on the wall of the slaughtered lamb. That's an inn in North England, at least in the film. And John Landis played around with the sign. He made his protagonist Jewish. There's no question about that. David is a Jew. Uh, just to bring out the connection clearer than it had been brought out before. Uh, being human? You know, George and being human, that's a Jew as well. What I'm doing, I'm not looking at individual films, I'm looking at links between films. Um, looking at it in the way I look at folklore. So I'm not so much in interested in the particular film, although some films are obviously better than others, but I'm interested in motives that you can follow throughout the film. So, come back to the woman. Uh, the woman in the early werewolf films, you can say she's just decoration, she's powerless, she can't do anything. She has to stand by while the werewolf is killed. And that is the same in The Wolfman as in American Werewolf in London, and in a few films in between as well. So what happens in Ginger Snaps? Uh, I think it was a woman writer who wrote Ginger Snaps. So she tried to make a new werewolf. To, convert, to turn around every existing uh, werewolf film motif. So she used uh, 
the idea of the menstruating man. She used the idea of the powerless woman, but she made it into a woman who starts to menstruate, ginger, and at the same time is bitten by a werewolf. The film is so good because it mixes up these two things in a wonderful way. These two things haven't been interacting before. They were... There's another film which I still need to look at again and analyze a bit better. That's The Curse. And it's made around the same time as Ginger Snaps. And it has the same thing about a female werewolf. And there are accusations come around that they stole from each other. But I suppose that happens all the time. People need to... Yeah, no, people need to steal mostly because they are not always original. Usually they're not original. So that makes it easier for me to follow their different uh, ideas. So as you were saying about werewolf representations, how do you now feel about the current, you know, there's a lot of young adult fiction, popular movies that focus on quite tame werewolves and also making them romantic features. My feelings are irrelevant. It just happens. Uh, go back to, uh, I think there's a uh, saying by John Landers at one point, the guy who did uh, American Werewolf in London. Werewolf is all about uh, growing up. You sprout your hair at uh, particular places. So, the connection to teenage level is not made strange. You had films also in the 1980s and before. I was a teenage werewolf is from the 50s, but they picked the theme up with Teen Wolf in the mid-80s. Um, I think they finished it. They made a television series, Teen Wolf, as well, uh, just a few years ago. I haven't read a lot of adult fiction yet. I can't read everything at once. It seems to be that in that fiction, when a werewolf grows up, he has to make a choice. It either need he or she either becomes a human or in a few cases a wolf. It doesn't stay a werewolf. So I think you need to question whether that takes all the fun out of the werewolf. They're not allowed to grow up. But as I say, I haven't, uh, I read about it. I haven't much read it uh, myself. So where do you feel the gaps are in werewolf studies at the moment? <laughs> there are lots. That's good, because then you can study on. Mm. To start with, you can always do something again. So, there are many studies about Angela Carter, there are studies about Twilight, a few more. So, that is a different kind of gap. But if you look at the actual material, uh, I'm just finishing a book, which you don't know anything about yet, on werewolf legends. So there was a huge gap in the study of werewolf legends. 
they're all over Europe, not in England. As far as I know, not in Ireland either. So English, British, Irish people are not aware of that gap. Uh, there's a gap in the history of Wales, and there are gaps coming back to Britain, Ireland, in the study of particular wealth material. I think the problem is that uh, in England and Britain, there's no history, no werewolf history. That's medieval, that's far away, and it doesn't connect to 19th century werewolves. So they're literary werewolves. Uh, I think by now we know most of the basically short stories about werewolves. 19th century has been pretty well covered so far. When you get into the 20th century, there are gaps. So you're, you're filling those gaps in at the moment? I'm trying to. I can't do them all. And uh, even in collaborative work, I still have to make choices. Uh, this is a very useful book by uh, Mr. Frost, who did a werewolf in literature. I think he found most of the werewolf in short stories and in novels. He doesn't list them, no, he discusses them. You need to pick out in his discussions everywhere he says this is completely uninteresting. He doesn't use the word, but basically he's saying it's trash. So there's a gap in studying all the things Frost finds uninteresting. Uh, which means early 20th century, the Americans pick it up. So in Britain it becomes only interesting in the late 20th century, when Aunt Angela Carter starts to write. But meanwhile, weird tales. There are a lot of werewolves in weird tales in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. They haven't been studied well either. Uh, there's still a lot of werewolf films so-called B films, or C, or just home movies. I'm not saying they're good. I think it's their challenge. Uh, werewolf, if you look at today, werewolf romances, paranormal romance, there are Hundreds of them. They're not deemed worthy of academic study. Because, I don't know, literary people, please tell me if you feel offended now, uh, want to study high literature. Or, uh, and they find it more interesting. We just had a whole uh, a dissertation came out last year on recent werewolf literature, and that is all about how the werewolf becomes more subjective. Yeah, so the whole idea of a subjective werewolf, uh, of a werewolf having an individual life, having uh, thought of his or her own is, is not subject it, it's a very psychological uh, approach 
when the web is not subject anymore to all the inner drives, then it seems to be more interesting. In the end, I think there's no more wearable. But, uh, so there is quite a lot of gaps. And as you say, there's this new wearable to investigate. So you're definitely leaving a bit of work for the rest of us to keep looking. But um, yeah, you've, you've definitely become such a leading name in wearable studies. And I can't believe you did so on accident. It wasn't like a, a boring interest in it. Oh, I did so on accident. Yes. Yeah, there were several accidents. <laughs> I was expecting this whole, oh, I've loved them. I grew up reading them, researching them. No, no accidental. No. <laughs> so I like that. I like that you fell over uh, it. I mean, the next stage was I was sitting in London at the kitchen table. And we had a publisher for dinner. And now... Every time I say having someone for dinner, I think about the werewolves who had someone for dinner. But it was a real dinner. And I tried to sell him a book on historical anthropology. So I'd made a list on the things I wanted to have in this book. Last chapter on that was on werewolves. And he picked that out. He said, can you do a book on werewolves? I said, okay. So I started to look at uh, werewolf movies. I hadn't. This was, uh, I think, around 2000, 20 years ago. So I hadn't seen any werewolf movie at that time. So I started to look at them. So you never, you never intended to write a whole book yourself? No, but it's uh, enticing. And werewolf is... Uh, so so much interesting that it, it's not just a man's connection with the natural world. It's it's not about wolves. It's about humans. It's about it starts with being about criminals. Uh, so why is someone considered a criminal? If I go back to the slander things. Slander trial. Why is it an insult that someone is called a, were a werewolf? What kind of criminal were they? So I tried to find it out. Um, now I leave a significant gap because I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I think uh, now what I wanted to say is it's a criminal. It has connections with what is considered as an outsider. Uh, it has connections with sexuality, so it's a sexual outsider. Uh, it has all these links with queerness. Uh, it has links with uh, feminism. Um, so what else do you want? Um, at, uh, I mean, at the moment, I'm looking into... Nazi werewolves. And it turns out when I explained about the wolfman and the pentagram, etc., it turns out that the Nazis had much more influence about into American werewolf films than you would think. So uh, Wolfman I mean, it goes in stages, and no one knows the next stage, and things happened inadvertently. Wolfman was uh, very influential. And what happened four years later, American soldiers to, were sent to Germany. There was a scare about guerrilla werewolves. For about a year, every American soldier was thought to be aware of probable, probable insurgents in Germany. They were invisible by day and active at night. They were, they were called by the Nazis werewolves. 
watch out. One thing both into win another uh, and the American soldiers brought the werewolf back to America and it's developed on its own again up to the present one. But it, it is not an intended development. It, it seems happy. American soldiers came back uh, at the end of 1945 with werewolf stories. And uh, put them into novels, into real films, and eventually into werewolf films. So that's combined with this with this tragic Jewish werewolf and with a lot of other things. And yeah, these things just happen. Uh, someone it's by accident. Uh, it's hardly controlled. So yeah, trying to make sense of it by following these different strands, see how they wove them together. I, I didn't do the research on the, the American soldiers, by the way. There's a, there's a woman who did that, who wrote a fantastic article about it. Um, so what she's trying to do, I think it was easier for me. I, I wrote this book, and then it was never published. Not a story by a publisher. He tried to find out whether it would sell. This was 15 years ago. And it, according to his research, it wouldn't sell as well as he hoped. And meanwhile, he was trying to sell his company. And I had previous experience uh, with the company he was selling it to. I didn't uh, want to end up as an author there. So I withdrew the whole thing. But it means that I had all that research done before the whole present craze of werewolf stories. It was from that background, it was easier to pick it up. Even if there's all this new material, all this new werewolf romances, uh, all these uh, young adult fictions. Well, having a basis somewhere, that really helps. And of course, I looked, uh, I started elsewhere in Europe, that also made a difference. The legends. Did you explain that? It's about what a group of people consider being a werewolf. Um, you don't know how big that group is. And folklorists used to interview elderly people in the countryside. Particular folklore hang up. And they didn't interview young people in the cities. Basically. So I suppose if you interview young people in a city at the moment, they would come up with all stories about the full moon, etc. They, they do know they're werewolves. Uh, issue with legends is that they are multi-existent. So how much legends do you need? There's an... Uh, was a werewolf in Hull a few years ago, and there's 10 different people reporting on it. I think, this is a private reason, <laughs> there was a werewolf project at the University of Hertfordshire <laughs> at, that, at the same moment. I cannot escape the idea that the two of them had something to do with each other. Uh, so what I did, I got people together to write about uh, legends, werewolf legends in Sweden, in Finland, in Lithuania, in Germany, in Russia, in Czechoslovakia, in Romania, in Slovenia, 
in southern Italy, in Alpine France, and in Portugal. So I covered all of Europe. This is my reaction to Britain leaving the EU. Make a book about uh, legends in the whole of Europe. It's almost finished now. When are you hoping to release this? Because it sounds fascinating. Oh, it depends now how uh, fast the publisher can work. So if I will hand it in at the end of the month, and then it needs to go through all this uh, process. They, if I'm looking at the end of the year, otherwise at the beginning of next year. Are you working on anything else at the moment? <laughs> well, where we films, obviously. Um, I had werewolf histories, I had werewolf legends is coming, so I decided to make it a trilogy. There will be werewolf fictions. Brilliant. Wow. Because yeah, uh, I, really, I really enjoy werewolf histories, actually. So, 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 so that's the first one. Yeah. Of the trilogy. Yeah. Great series, actually, to be a part of the historical studies in witchcraft and magic. I'm doing the whole, I'm doing the whole series, actually. I'm a series editor. So uh, I just, it happens. Those things you don't do, you don't do that on purpose. So if you had a good proposal for a book, send it to me. Don't send it to the publisher, send it to the series editors. Yeah, they will tell you what to do. Uh, if it, there's three of us, so if you'd like it, uh, you make sure it gets published. Yeah, the formal ways of doing that. So you need someone to uh, referee it. But we have, uh, I shouldn't say that, we have some influence on that. <laughs> I mean, you pop up everywhere. I actually got another book, The Cultures of Witchcraft. And I opened it, and there's a picture of you. I didn't even realize this book was all about Willem. <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, meant to be a festive. Uh, I think you have the uh, the term in English as well. But it's basically German. Uh, when people turn a particular age, you make a festive. So it's to celebrate. Uh, I made one for my wife. No, I made one for my wife uh, a few years back. Uh, uh, she, she decided to return the favor. This is unusual. We don't usually make fast shifts between man and wife. It's usually between colleagues. Really? Yeah. So. What did you do for her? Sorry? What did I do for her? Ah, Sisters of Sisters of Subversion. Uh, she's an historian of uh, Weimar Germany. So that's much more easy than uh, Witches and Werewolves. I got all her colleagues together and uh, made a nice book. That's really nice. I'd never heard of this before, but it sounds such a nice thing to do. Yeah, you make uh I mean, there's one guy who said, no, I can't really contribute it because it's a bit too close, he's your wife. And there's another. <laughs> so I just went ahead. I did it without him. <laughs> and uh, I think he was just looking, he was looking for an excuse. So I, um, she gave me this book back. I mean, there is also an article by me in there. That's also unusual for a fresh. So this is... Uh, you guys really turn tradition on its head. Uh, yeah, and we have this series, so we can do things. So it's a historical series, but you can put literature in there, give it a little sense of history, but 20th century is history. Now, 
So if you um, approach literature in a particular way, it's history, no problem. And as long as it sells enough, uh, you've got these copies at a, a cheap price, which means that it won't sell anymore at the moment. Um, yeah, I need to see about that. Maybe uh, get a paperback copy. I think it's ridiculously priced, and a paperback would be much more accessible to a lot of people. So that's the... Yeah, it's great to be able to make books. You just need time. And you need time and connections and, uh, yeah, a few other things. Well, given that, we've done uh, over 30 volumes at the moment. So it's Witchcraft and Magic series that is definitely most present in today's studies. No one did 30 volumes. It's uh, other publishers are trying at the moment. So I put the werewolves in there. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, they deserve their spot for sure. Perfect. I've taken up a lot of your time. I just want to say thank you for giving me the time to talk and for writing all the books that you write, especially about werewolves for people like me who are massive fans. Happy to have done it. Check out the episode description for more from Willem, particularly his book Werewolf History, a part of the Palgrave Historical Studies and Witchcraft and Magic series. And join us again for more werewolf content.